0: This is Grace Grit and Getting It Done, the podcast for women who want to focus on their personal development and their professional priorities, increase their earnings, expand their influence, and advance up the leadership ladder all the way into the C-suite. Hi, I'm your host, Lisa Gillette. My podcast, Grace Grit and Getting It Done, offers a practical guide for women working in the corporate arena. Weekly episodes feature conversations with recognized experts, authors, and influencers. I'm covering topics from navigating corporate culture and coping with gender bias to prioritizing self-care and managing work-life balance. For more information, or if you'd like to contact me, send an email to lisa at bigsky.coach. Have you ever experienced bias? Discrimination. Have you ever experienced bias based on your age, your gender, or your skin color? Was it conscious bias? Did the person discriminating against you intentionally know what they were doing? Or was it unconscious? Maybe the person just didn't realize they were discriminating against you or mistakenly thought, They were being helpful. Today we are talking about a really big topic that makes most of us uncomfortable, bias. So today I am super excited to be speaking with my guest, Wendy Goldman. She has an MS in gerontology and she holds an MBA. And she is the founder of GeroBiz Consulting. Wendy, welcome. I am so excited you're here. I want to start out by asking you one very basic question, which is really broad. I understand the importance of your work, but share with us some of the critical work you do in the fight against bias.
1: Hello, Lisa, and thank you for having me on your show. My work has transferred from dealing strictly with corporate leaders into helping nonprofit groups attorneys and city leaders to understand what age bias is and how it affects us, how that subliminal knowledge, that body language, that instant reaction we have when someone walks in the room is not appropriate in today's world. We have had a radical change since the pandemic and the lockdown with uh, recruiting and retaining workers on every level, including younger workers. Younger workers notice how older people are treated at work and they are affected by age bias themselves. When they're told you don't understand, you don't have enough experience, they may have the skills, education and talent that the employer is looking for, but they don't even get a chance. They're judged based on the that 55% walking in the door and it is not, helpful to the workplace. It's not helpful to the company who's hiring. And of course, it discourages the workers from going out and being productive members of society.
0: That is such a big concern that so many employers do not understand that Workers needed to be treated with respect, to be engaged, to be valued and to be compensated. So speak a little bit to me about some of the issues that older workers have just going out and applying for a job. What are some keys you could give them in terms of mindset?
1: Many times when I coach individuals, I first asked them, are you in the 21st century? What is your wardrobe like? What is your body language like? Again, how do you approach your skills and talents? Is your resume up to date? How are you presenting yourself to the hiring people? Are you able to keep up with a conversation about current events? Are you educating yourself on a regular basis with technology especially? because one of the biggest stereotypes about older people, and one that I actually wrote my master's thesis about, excuse me, was older workers and computing, which surprisingly, I found many groups of older adults working in senior centers, training in universities and um, adjunct programs who were truly dedicated to upgrading their skills and being a part of the mainstream and not being left behind.
0: That is that is really critical. There's that assumption that because someone is a baby boomer that they're not computer literate and that is so not the case. So what what is the impact on employers if they don't understand that age bias when it comes to hiring employees can be really detrimental to the growth of the business?
1: You've heard about the population pyramid. Well, it's becoming the population rectangle with more people living longer, that factor in itself creates an economic dilemma. People need to work longer for financial reasons. Their retirement savings may not be what they expected. Many companies have abandoned their defined benefit pension plans and no longer offered the kind of benefits that previous generations may have enjoyed. But then again, retirement wasn't even heard of until some, some, time in the mid um, 20th century. People didn't retire. They worked until they died or they were no longer physically able to.
0: It is a different state of affairs right now. And let's just consider that Social Security and Medicare really were invented after the Depression. And so it's actually been very recent, but has people who have worked for corporations and for ourselves and for many people, there's just that assumption of, great, I'm gonna have social security or great, I'm gonna have Medicare. And even that today is in question, unfortunately. Um, Share with me a little bit about how older workers and younger workers may be able to overcome that kind of unconscious bias of, well, they're so young, how can they understand? my experience, or they're so old, I can't relate to them. What kind of guidance could you give to someone to be a little bit more open-minded when dealing with colleagues who are
1: different than themselves? Sure, Sure. that is a problem. Unless you've already been in a team with people of different ages, different nationalities, um, different uh, gender preference even, since that's certainly in discussion these days. The first generation of, of people living with HIV and AIDS are in the workplace and maybe very misunderstood. The first generation of trans identity individuals are in the workplace. Um, the first thing I would say is sit down and have a focus group. If you're an HR executive, make a focus group of people of different ages and pair people up. They're they're best way of answering your question would be to switch places. I'm going to be a 25-year-old and you're going to be my age. Uh, You're going to be able to um, tell me your stereotypes and one by one I'm going to dismiss them. I'm someone who didn't go to college when I was young. I went back to school in my mid-30s. I was older than many of the professors that taught me. It didn't matter. I was accepted for the most part and given opportunity to excel. I was rated on my skill set and what I gave to my teams, especially in business school. You're always in teams. That's real life, that's the workplace. We have to be able to work with other people effectively, successfully, if we're going to make our company successful. And those of us who are entrepreneurial know firsthand. If you can't work with people of different ages, different gender, different everything, you're gonna be left out of the profitability factor. You're not gonna be as successful as if you were more open-minded and accepting.
0: That's exactly right. It's that ability to see the other as someone you can work with and want to. I love your um, suggestion that people work in teams one-on-one because that is the easiest way to not only create connection, but to communicate a deeper understanding and to see the other as being, hey, we're all alike in this and we're all here together to do a job and get this done. Wendy, I would love to ask you how you started on this journey because I can tell it's near and dear to you, and you are a proponent of social justice and equality for everyone.
1: Great question. Um, when I moved to Los Angeles from Virginia, I was in my early twenties. I fell into working in the entertainment industry. There were many jobs available. The money was good. It was exciting. I wasn't a performer. I- didn't have any particular goal at that time. Um, But I was referred to a job at the Writers Guild Pension Plan, which was a relatively small office, only about 10 people. And I worked with a lady who had worked in the studio system during the golden age of Hollywood. She inspired me so much to look deeper into what was that era like? There were only three television stations, there were many radio stations at that time, but there were very few participants in the pension plan. And it was started after a big writer strike with the studios and the networks. When I began the job, my focus was on researching the writers from the blacklist time in Hollywood. They were often writing under pseudonyms, they had no screen credits, or they allowed someone else to accept their Academy Awards and Emmy Awards um, so that they could feed their families. They needed to just have the cash flow. At the end of their lives, when they came in for benefits, I was the one who had to verify and produce documentation for their writing credits. And that was such an education into what happened behind the scenes, why writers went on strike, what their uh, achievements were, and how they actually accomplished their goals when there was so much pushback from the studio heads. And eventually, when I was able to find the eligibility for the writers, there were celebrations in the office because many times they would be destitute at the end of their lives, no matter how many Academy Awards or Emmys they won. It wasn't right, they weren't treated fairly, and it lit a fire in me to expand my understanding of this area of uh, labor negotiations and, and employee rights, and it opened up a whole world for me.
0: I, Again, I wanna stress, I hear the lifelong learner, and I also hear that advocate for social justice and speaking for people who don't have a voice. But I know that also too, we've talked and that you were very much aware of the women's Liberation movie uh, movement in the 70s as I was. And how did that impact you when women finally said, you know what? We want our own finances. We want to be able to take out our own car loans, our own home loans. We wanna open our own bank accounts. And this was the start of women's liberation in the 1970s. Talk to me about that time in your life and what you learned and experienced.
1: Well, it certainly brought me to Los Angeles since there was a land of freedom and opportunity for women and people of color. I felt that was the real motivation to move here that I wasn't stuck into a domestic role to be a teacher or a nurse or a wife, someone else's partner, and not be able to achieve my full potential. That was motivating me to start something new. And California, of course, uh, had the reputation for opportunity. When I had risen up in my professional life to a certain point, there were women in my office who had been elevated to executive positions, but in a small office you can only go so many places. So I did go back to school to earn a college degree, and I found that there was a another aspect of my life that I had never explored. And due to my fortuitous meeting with several individuals and you know, having a I don't know if you can see this. This that, is that, that is awesome. The Fountain of Age by Betty Friedan came across my path and I couldn't believe that someone who wrote about feminism, the Feminine Mystique, who was one of the mothers of feminism, that she had written about gerontology as well. By that time, I was in my gerontology program and Betty came to USC to speak to a group of um, sort of the top creme de la creme of the professors about her book. And the woman who organized it was someone in the business school who I was friendly with. And she asked me to pick Betty up at um, a local hotel and bring her to USC for her speech. So I gladly accepted that uh, invitation and I went to pick Betty up. She was a tiny little lady. She was in her eighties by then, but she was vivacious. She, you know, I helped her get into the car and um started driving and chatting away and without realizing it i stopped at a light and i looked over betty was fast asleep she didn't hear a thing i said and when we got to usc i had to wake her up and said oh nice to meet you and i wish i'd gotten her to sign my book that would have been so excellent. Um,
0: For those listeners who are not familiar with the name Betty Friedan, she was an influencer and a thought leader and at the forefront, along with Gloria Steinem and some other names that we all have heard of, of the women's liberation movement. And this, you know, in the 60s, we had a lot of civil unrest, but it was so important for women to take a stand, decide that they had more opportunities than just being a mom, which is important, that's important, or staying at home, that they could go out and have careers. And I highly recommend anybody listening pick up this book that Wendy just shared, and also look into Betty Friedan. The last name is F R I E D A N. Yes. Um, so, so Wendy, just share with me too. Um, what what would you what words of guidance or encouragement would you give? If you could go back and give your younger self some support, what would
1: you tell yourself? Finish school earlier. (laughs) Accept every opportunity to take night classes, day classes, put your career on hold and go to college. If that is your desire or find the best mentor you can to guide you and to support you and to bolster your spirits. There's so many people who will discourage you and cut you down and, and keep you from realizing your goal. You have to surround yourself with a supportive network and a circle of people. Um, My friends call it chosen family. Your own family may not be able to give you what you need, but you still have to go out there and build your support network.
0: This is so essential, the circle of support, the amplification, and the understanding that has women we are told no, then we just need to ask ourselves, oh, how true is that? Yes, I think I will. Wendy, I want to share, before we get into the questions too deeply, you can be reached at www.gerobiz.com. That's G-E-R-O biz.com. Oh, I love this. Okay, we've got a visual representation. And for those of you who are listening, it's www.jirobiz.com. So Wendy, I know that so many people experience discrimination in the workspace based on one of these protected categories. If someone wanted to file a complaint What kind of language should they use? I know many people talk about, oh, I'm working in a toxic work environment, but that's not a legal term. What are the steps if someone knew they were being discriminated against that they could take to file a complaint?
1: Right, well, the first thing you need to do is following an event such as um, a discriminatory comment or overhearing someone talking about um, an older worker with a disparaging remark, you need to go and record it, write it down immediately, who said it, where they were standing, who they were talking to, what were the circumstances. You need detail about time, place, setting to go forward. Then you keep that at home. You take it with you. You do not leave anything incriminatory in your office, in your desk that someone else could find once you have taken that home, if it's something that concerns you yourself, then if it upsets you enough and you want to talk to legal counsel, there are many bar associations that can refer you to a labor and employment attorney. You can Google your area if you belong to a trade association, um, uh, a neighborhood group, or you know someone, of course, that could refer you because there are many attorneys who specialize in age bias cases. You would take your evidence to them and tell your story. And if you needed more evidence about it, you would be asked exactly by your attorney what to provide. In the meantime, if you're not ready to go to an attorney, you're at work. You hear something that disturbs you, but not enough to take it anywhere. It's not about you, it's about a colleague. But then something else happens you may want to report that to staff relations. If you're in a company with more than 25 employees, you are um, affected by the Age Discrimination Employment Act. You are protected, you're in a category. But if you're over 40 and you work for a small company, that's a different situation. You would have to have a lot of evidence you would have to be eliminated from meetings, from conferences. You would be demoted if some new boss came in and decided they didn't like you just because you were older, or because you were a hajib, or because you had a beard, or excuse me, I guess we're talking mostly about women today. Well, um, men
0: too, over 40.
1: Yes, right, men too. Right.
0: Yeah, 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 so.
1: Because it does, age discrimination affects everyone. And indeed Correct. it affects younger people and because younger people notice how their colleagues are treated, or maybe their parent was affected at work and they were eliminated in a in a big trade-off or a company merger, and they were in the first group to go. They could have been close to getting their pension, but eliminated from the opportunities.
0: Right, exactly. So it does sound like one document, 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 to make sure that you keep any as you said incriminating details about what was going on off your work computer and something i would add is don't email anything from your work email to your home computer because that can be found so until you're really prepared with all of your details and you decide i am going to a lawyer or i'm going to staff relations or i am going to hr with this. Um, And if you're working in a company that's less than 25 employees, you may not have that option. The simplest thing may be to go and look for another job. But again, there is a protocol to your point, and I think you mentioned something really empowering is that there are attorneys who focus just on labor relations, employment law, and whether certain protected groups are discriminated against and you can find them. And I wanna share this is that normally most, lawyers will have a first free consult to determine whether they want to take your case and whether your case has any merit. And it is worth at least having that initial discussion for anybody who's listening to this, if you feel you are a victim of discrimination in the workplace, that you at least get some legal advice. Because as a friend of mine who is an attorney said, if you think you need to talk to a lawyer, you're right you do. Um, Wendy, <laughs> Wendy let, let let me ask you, um, how could an employee approach HR? Because sometimes there's that feeling of, did I really see that? Did I really, did I misinterpret that? what would be a great way to start that conversation initially with HR as an employee that, Hey, I noticed some discrimination going here, going on here. And I want to talk about it. How would you recommend someone approach that?
1: Well, the first thing is during an annual review, which most companies do provide to their staff, there's an opportunity to give feedback. And if you feel, that you have been passed over for promotion or given um, a less than satisfactory raise or no raise. We're at a time where people are working from home. We've seen so many shifts in the workplace in the last few years that have radically changed the way that we interact with our supervisors, HR, all the above. Some people are comfortable in, in the hybrid setting where they work from home a few days and then go in. Other people have shut down socially and are not ready to communicate as well as they need to to ask these important questions. And you may not see your coworkers. You may not know about the discrimination as you would have if you're in the workplace. So approaching HR would be who is the appropriate person to talk to about uh, a recognized bias? that I want to know more about. I want to know what is the feedback mechanism in this company. If it's a small company, you're gonna know because there's one person who does HR and possibly many other um, duties.
0: What is it about what you do that gets you out of bed in the morning?
1: I have seen so many people affected by age bias, which is an umbrella for many others sorts of bias in the workplace and in society. They're discarded, they're eliminated, they're invisible, especially women. And if you let your hair go gray, if you let yourself look frumpy and old, then you do get judged. But those of us who care about the way we look and continue to work and remain members of society, are discouraged when we hear these negative remarks, these stereotypes about, well, why are you still working? Why don't you retire? And aren't you tired of working? And things that have absolutely no relevance to me.
0: Right, exactly. And how sad, and that just points to the societal, the cultural, and the familial expectations that the world has of women as being helpmates and somehow disposable once we're past our uh, expiration date, it it, it is so upsetting. Um, But that's why we're here continuing this fight. So share with me some of the projects that you've worked on during the course of your business, because now, and again, it's GeroBiz, G-E-R-O-B-I-Z.com. You can reach out to Wendy. If you are thinking that you might be the victim or you know someone who is of unconscious bias in the workspace, reach out to Wendy. So Wendy, let me get back to the question. Share some of the really, the the projects you worked on where you said, I really made a difference today. I made it better.
1: Sure. Well, most of the time when I go into a company, I look at their demographics first. I do my research. I want to know what is their age makeup, what are their executive, who's in their executive office, who is uh, running the show, and who's making the top decisions that affect the hiring in that company. Then I might do a focus group maybe 10 people from the company randomly selected, or the company selects, to give me an understanding of where they are today. If they've already had a lawsuit filed by an older worker or someone younger who was denied the opportunity to be employed and they went for legal counsel, then there's already a a time certain that they have to deal with the problem. And by bringing in someone like myself, it looks very good to a case that the company cared enough to bring in someone to train them and to help them avoid this going forward. Right, so the- focus groups, um, writing reports based on my findings that I present to management and um, trying to understand how staff relations operates when they get a complaint. What is the next steps that they have followed in the past and where have they gone wrong to have a lawsuit filed?
0: Right. Um, That is something that is so impressive, actually, because many companies don't resolve problems until they're forced to, i.e. there's legal action taken. I know in a conversation you and I had had, which really inspired me to have you on as a guest, is you had mentioned that you also worked with individuals who were in a state of crisis. And we all know when we're in crisis, this is when we're not able to really think strategically we react emotionally and you had mentioned to me that you were working with an individual who actually needed help and support had gone through a divorce she was a woman of a certain age could you just talk to how you supported her
1: right well the first thing we did was go and pick out her wardrobe for interviewing because she was stuck in a rut and did not understand how she appeared at first glance. And walking into that office, the body language, I had to practice that with her, how she held herself and um, giving her sort of a pep talk and role playing with her, how she was gonna interview. And the common questions that everyone seems to be asked, it's not brain surgery. We have to be able to respond to our history and our goals and how we would fit into this company in this position. So it doesn't um, really recreate re- recreate the wheel, but it does um, help somebody focus on the simple facts of finding employment.
0: I love this step-by-step strategy of here are the steps to take to successfully interview. And many of us forget that there's a formula here. And if we have someone like you who's guiding us, supporting us and coaching us through this process, it just, and I'll use the phrase holding our hands, it is just so much more empowering and it shows us the potential and possibility. Um, let me ask you this, if someone is interviewing, what kind of red flag should they be looking for to identify whether this potential company they're interviewing with might have some issues regarding bias, unconscious bias, and discrimination towards certain protected classes baked into
1: the culture. Any suggestions about questions oh, job the seekers red could ask? There are many red flags. The first one is on an application, when it asks for your date of birth or your date of graduation, do not provide that information. The only time that you're legally mandated to give that information is after you've been hired. If they're gonna do a background check on you, you've already been offered the job and you can give your date of birth, but it should be privileged information that should not be shared. And it automatically disqualifies many people without them knowing, why didn't I get the job? Because they filled in every single thing. And someone like myself who went back to school would never be able to be red flagged for for age because my true graduation date, which is verifiable, is not the 22-year-old that most people would think. So therefore, it would um, confuse the employer. Well, she doesn't look like she's at that age, but what if? So people have these stereotypes and they need to be broken. Time to bust them yeah i
0: love that ability that you just honed right in on it's so easy to see if someone is asking about age where their mind might be whether they're gonna think the potential employee might retire or might leave before they actually um You know, said they would, et cetera, et cetera. So, Wendy, I want to thank you so much for being my guest. For everybody listening, please reach out to Wendy. She obviously knows her business. She is an advocate for social justice, and she's an advocate not only for elderly workers, but for people of color, for women, for the stable community, and for LGBTQ. You can find Wendy at GeroBiz, G E R O B I Z.com reach out to Wendy at gerobiz.com. And Wendy, thank you so much. I so appreciate you having you on. Thanks for listening to Grace, Grit, and Getting It Done. I'm your host, Lisa Gillette. If you'd like more information or to contact me directly, send me an email, lisa at bigsky, B-I-G-S-K-Y dot coach. Lisa at bigsky dot coach. Thanks for listening.